Baruch atah Adonai Eloheinu Melakaolam. Asher bakar bin ve'im tovim, ve'ratza ve'divrehim ha'ne emarim be'emet. Baruch atah Adonai haboker v'torah uv'moshe avdo uv'Yisrael amo uv'in v'ye ha'emet v'zedek. Bizkut Mashiach Yeshua. Amen. Amen. Well, shalom. Welcome to the Haftarah Get You Some for Parashah Bamibar. Hasiz Baz and I would like to send everyone a Rosh Chodesh Tov. And without Amen. further ado, going to hand it on over. All right, Baruch Shem. So we are coming from the Haftarah of Bamibar. Uh, this is Hoshia, chapter 2, verses 1 through 22. Hold some... Total of this idea is the Jewish nation is like a sin and is depicted as a soil wife. And Hashem is, is calling back to us. Mm. So, uh, interesting thing in our, our timeline for today, at least though, as it relates to our half Torah, this is actually the anniversary of when the, uh, the flood waters receded Ooh. during the Noah's Ark. And so this really relates to Hathor because there's this uh, this idea. This is a it's like a prophecy of judgment, and it's also a prophecy of reconciliation. Mm. And so you see the waters were like this this the waters of judgment, and they started receding. And so this is kind of the flow of this Haftorah. Um, another thing that happened uh, is the encampment at Sinai. And so of course we're we're prepared to receive the the Torah again. Uh, Shavuot's coming up, and so this is actually the anniversary that we were encamped at Sinai. Mm. And also, about a year later, the year later, um, and we might touch on this briefly, um, reference it briefly, but Korak was swallowed up by the ground. This month? So, yep, today, the first of Savan. Wow. That is so not these a are way all to celebrate Rosh Hodesh. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's not. But Bezer Hashem will we'll touch on touch on that and it, the the impact that had. But uh, it's just interesting to me that this is anniversary of camping at Sinai, and here we are reading uh, Hoshia, and this reading of a Hoshia always comes uh, right before Shavuot, maybe one, maybe two weeks out, but it's always before. Mm. And it's just interesting because there's this comparison to like this this marriage between Hashem and the Jewish people. This this haftarah, extremely extremely focused on this haftarah, especially um, even though other places is compared there. This this has an extreme focus on that. And at Sinai, this is essentially where we got all all the Jewish customs where where they come from. About as far as marriage comes from, comes from Sinai. The experience at Sinai. And so this, and that was like, it's like a whole wed- wedding ceremony, receiving the Torah. Mm-hmm. And so this, Hoshia, always comes before Sinai. And it's just real interesting to me because what did we receive at Sinai? Torah. And explicitly in the form of the? The Sapphire Tablet? The Sapphire Tablets, the, the, ten, the ten Commandments, the, the ten ah, statements. Yes. Right? Gotcha. And so it's just interesting, you have Hoshia right now, and then there's, that's proceeding before it's received the Ten Commandments. Now what, Emmett, you're the, uh, the Hebrew expert here, so it's like, what is the, the, the tenth letter of the Hebrew alphabet? The letter Yud. 
Huge. Also, Gamache is 10, right? Right. And so, or this is leading. What's that? Go for it. I said, or it's uh, 20. 20? Like yes. Yod, Vav, Dalit? So, looking at it from the perspective of just the Yod, though, right? So, you have Yehoshua, right. and then we're about to receive the Yod. So, adding the Yod to Yehoshua, uh, oh, what do we have? Oh, goodness. Yehoshua, Yeshua. Yes. <laughs> oh, wow. That's nice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I was just going to go with the 20 because if you, because uh, there's the other way where you spell out the letter. And if you spelled out the Yud, making it Yo Vav Dalit, you have the picture of Keter, which is the Kaf. So how Yeshua crowns us and how the oh. Torah crowns us kind of thing. So That's beautiful because the Yud is the crown on the letters and most letters. Right. It's like a little Yud, a little point. And so it's just like this idea of a crown and you also have the idea of the, the kaf, like 20, right? Right. It's like the, a palm, an extended palm. Yeah. Like he's prepared to give. Mm. And Bizarach uh, we're going to talk about this idea of, of giving and this idea of, of weddings, relationship uh, throughout this half tour. Oh, man. All right. So links to the Parsha. We've linked it to our timelines, linked to a Parsha. Um. And so we're Parsha Bamnibar, and this is where we're told B'nai Israel were counted in the desert in Moshe's time. And this half tour actually begins with this promise in the future that B'nai Israel will be too numerous to count, comparing to stars of heaven and the sands of the sea. Get you some. Uh, also, this, this idea of Bamnibar literally means in the wilderness. And in this half tour, Hashem actually brings us back to the wilderness. This is in verse 16. And so, this is really to serve, uh, to test our, our trust in Hashem and cause, cause us to witness His miracles. So, just a little connections to our, our half tour. And we'll, there's several others, but we won't get into all of that. Um, a little bit of backstory about the about Hoshia. And I believe we mentioned this uh, before, but it's worth re-mentioning. He actually prophesied together with Yeshayahu, Isaiah, Amos, and Micah. And he was, he was actually the oldest of the group and prophesied the longest. So he prophesied for a full 90 years. Mm. And so his prophecy is mainly directed at the, the northern kingdom of Israel. And 40 years after he began prophesying, its inhabitants were led into exile by the king of Asher. Um, Oshia was the, was the guy who really referred to Hashem, like his picture of him was of, you know, like this, this loving husband who's calling back to our unfaithful wife, just like this, this half tour really. Um, and so that was his, his main focus. Mm. <laughs> so we get into verse one. All right. That it will come to pass at the time of the future redemption, at the number of Bnei Israel will be like the sand of the sea, which can be neither counted nor measured. Then, instead of being called previously not my people, they'll be called sons of the living God. And so it's interesting because uh, before before this in chapter one, it mentions. Um, this idea of how Hoshea is naming his children, how he's supposed to name his children. Right. And 
and it's all this idea of you know you have uh, lo ami not my people and then you have all all these others hint at you know this essentially uh rejection but then they're later called later in the Taftor as you know b'nei kel chai sons of the living god and then talk about the second name hints at them being gathered in the third one hints that you know, lo uh, ruchuma, unpitied, will they'll again be renamed ruchuma, the pitied one. And so, even though there's this like stern rebuke, because this is the this is the first time, like really, uh, Israel, at least the northern kingdom, is hearing about they're going to be kicked out of the land. Mm-hmm. You know, they've heard it back before mentioned the Torah, but this is the first time it's been in your face from a prophet. And so, right after he gives this stern rebuke, he gives this this consolation. Hmm. And so, it's a little note of, of kind of a principle of offering uh, rebuke and reproof is there's, there's these consoling words that need to be applied with that. We get into verse 2. It says, The sons of members of the kingdom of Yehuda and the sons of the kingdom of Israel will be gathered together and appoint one leader over themselves, King Mashiach, mm. rather than being split into two kingdoms, ruled by two kings at the time of the first Be'ag For great will be the day of Israel, the ingathering. Wow. So this really predicts... Um, this is the prediction of the half tour that referred to like this future redemption. And so you have at the end of the Babylonian exile, only the tribes of Yehud and Benjamin, which comprised the former king of Yehuda, returned to Israel to build the second Bay of Mekdash, while the members of the king of Israel never returned and are lost to this day. And so this term, Yisrael, in the Pesuk, denotes that Hashem will gather in those who are sown, Zarah, meaning they are scattered by God, Chael, in the countries of exile. Amen. And so this is where he originally named his his son uh, Israel as an evil omen. Call his name Israel, uh, Israel, which sounds like Israel, but it's spelled differently with a Zion. Right. For in a short while, I will punish the house of Yahuwah for the blood of Israel, and I will terminate the kingdom of the house of Israel. On that day, I'll break the strength of Israel in the valley of Israel. Hmm. And so this was based on a, a king who ended up destroying the like all these Baal worshippers of another another uh, family, the royal family of Achav, but he he later in turn fell to idolatry. Wow. And so his act was considered bloodshed by Hashem. So since uh, Yahuwah did not act for my sake, I can consider his deed as a murderer. Oh. And so even though he did this great deed, he really didn't do it for Hashem's sake. And and therefore, his act was not this righteous act of, of you know, getting rid of the idolatry and land. It was an act of murder, bloodshed. Okay, we'll carefully consider our actions, right? <laughs> yes, what is, the, what is the underlying motive behind our action? Man. You know, this is what we learned, like, last half Torah, Hashem judges the heart, and He judges judges the heart, sees the thoughts behind our, our actions. Oh, knower of mysteries, Baruch Shem Kavod, Makuto Le'olam Vayet.
Amen. So we get into verse 4. Man says, You righteous ones of the generations, argue with your mother, the Jewish nation, argue. She is not my wife, does not act like my wife, and therefore I am not her husband to provide for her. Tell her that she should remove her makeup for immoral, immoral purposes and her face from her face and her perfume for the purpose of adultery from between her breasts. And so there's these two kinds of idol worship that's men- mentioned. There's public, which is the from her face, and the private, which would be the from her breast. And this latter one actually refers to sinful thoughts. Mm. And so he's, you know, he's giving them the picture of them as this adulterous woman, the whole nation, to really shock them into into doing teshuva. Like you, you think that this is this is no big deal. This is huge, you know. Right. Which you would think with understanding the significance of the Sota, you know, if anyone ever experienced the the full process of the Sota, I mean, that's super impactful, you know, like that is something you would not wish ever on anyone, you know, when you really yeah. go through the whole process and to think that we as a nation would be depicted that way and Hashem is speaking to us through the prophet. It's just kind of like, whoa, you know, <laughs> to not take that seriously. Definitely what you're saying. Yeah, it's it's very telling, you know, you mentioned this whole idea of, of the Sota, which, you know, is extremely telling that this half tour would be before that. Because you remember... You know, Moshe came down, and there's a golden calf, right? He had to break the tablets. Yes. And literally, then he it goes in the story of how he ground up the golden calf and made the them drink it. The bitter waters. Right, and so like they were a a sota, right? The bitter mm-hmm. waters of a sota. And so here we have this whole half tour of an adulterous woman that we read right before Shavuot to remind us let's let's not make this mistake again. Wow. <laughs> you know, let's remember, like, you are an adulterous woman. What was that? What are they going to recall? They're going to recall the golden calf incident. They mm. recall how they lost the opportunity. They lost the elevation. They mm. lost the, 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 the kingdom of God now, so to speak. Man. You know, and, and the firstborns definitely lost their, their privileges and their rights Absolutely. because of that. You know, and then the Levites were in charge. And so there's a switch of rulership. Dang. So, you okay. know, this whole idea is is in, in verse 5, right? And it says, For unless she banish her evil ways, I'll strip her naked, the worst unimaginable shame, and I'll leave her exposed as on the day she was born. I'll make her free for all like a wilderness and make her similar to a parched land, causing her to die of thirst, yeah. the most excruciating type of death. And so Midrash has this question, what, what does it mean to become stripped naked? Resemble a wilderness, die of thirst. Remember, this is referring to like the whole nation, right? right? And so it's like he would strip their their flourishing land bare at the time of the destruction. So Israel become like a wilderness. And so, and another another interpretation is that it's actually doesn't say the, the land will, but there are she, the Jewish people will. And so the Jewish nation will become. Uh, denuded, so to speak, of its spiritual garments, its Torah and mitzvot. And so you what? see this because, yeah, you see this because after the temple destroyed, they lost like 
almost half the mitzvot. Wow. You know, the 613 mitzvots we have. Like, there's, there's so much that we cannot fulfill because we do not have a temple. So, and there's so much glory that's lost. The crown is lost, right? So, I mean, Yeshua definitely embodied this when they stripped him of his garments. Mm-hmm. Wow. <laughs> that's true. Okay. Wow. So, there's this... You know, there's this idea of revert to the day of her birth. You know, you mentioned Yeshua. He's always talking about being born again, right? Right. And there's there's two options to go through that. There's teshuva or there's, you know, forced teshuva, if you will. <laughs> yeah. So, like, strip you of, of all, all your glory and remind you of where you came from. You were in the in the the, the tuma, the filth, the impurity of the klipot of Egypt of Mitzrayim, and I took you out of there. Mm. And so that's what Hashem is threatening. You know, I will return you to the situation in which you found yourselves when you were born, i.e., when you came from Egypt. You know, in poor physical and spiritual condition, like a like an infant on the day of its birth. And so you know, Hashem just remembers, like, hey, I nourished you, I I I, I raised you. To greatness, and but if you abandon me, I'm gonna I'm gonna take away all the good things that I that I've given you since Egypt. Man, and you know it's kind of interesting because sometimes we look at this as as him taking away, right? But there's this also idea because it's compared to a husband and his wife, right? Yeah, and so you know his, his idea of putting them back where they came from is almost like reliving how the relationship got started like let's 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 uh reminisce if you will like on how reset. this whole thing got started what's that like a reset yeah it's it like the first you know uh marriage retreat <laughs> <laughs> nice rekindling <laughs> so, the flames <laughs> yeah you know it's like going back to old restaurant where y'all first first went out or, or the place where you first met and even though it, it seems harsh, like sometimes it, it takes this harshness, this strictness in order to, to fix things. Mm, mm, mm. Wow. The next verse, it mentions that essentially even the righteous individuals are not spared. Okay. So the punishment that ensues. And verse, verse 7 Mention's idea, for the mother has been unfaithful, she who conceived them and acted disgracefully. Let me go with my lovers, who will supply my bread and water, which I need for my sustenance, my wool and my flax, which I make my garments, my oil, which I need for smearing myself, my drinks such as wine and milk. And so it's really interesting here because the term uh, lovers, Jewish nation lovers, is not described as bahavim, indicating sincere lovers, with the root of like chav, to give, right? Right. But it's mentioned... Ahavim, which is more like pretenders, like people who have their own interests in heart. And this is why they're showing you affection, why they're showing you love, why they're pouring on you compliments. It's because they have their own interest and their own angle, their own game they're trying to get at. Wow. And so, you know, who are, who are these lovers at this time period? Uh, these like the constellations, the natural forces, various other uh, gods, right? That right. they worshipped, and so they declared, "There's no potent serving Hashem 
Chas v'shalom. Yeah, but for we know we received all good things through the constellations. And so they have this misunderstanding about who is their true source, who really gives to them anything. And so they attribute to all their idolatry, the, the forces that be, um, and also another interpretation is the neighboring, the neighboring nations. You know, we read other half Torahs about Yaramahu, where it mentions they're trying to turn to Egypt for salvation. And Hashem's like, nope. And so Hashem just like pushes all that to the ground so they can recognize um, who is their true provider, who's, who's really sincere. Hmm. You know? So this so, reminds me of Agarit Romans one twenty five that says they traded the truth of God for a lie and worshipped the cre creation rather than the creator. I mean, this is what it sounds like. Yeah, that's a, that's exactly what it is, and it's a perfect correlation. Um, you know, it's just this idea of sincerity, and when it comes down to it, mm. you know, you need to. Turn to Hashem, like He's the ultimate source for everything. Oh man! Uh, other idea of uh, the idea of Hovisha Horatam, mm -hmm. which is you know they disgraced Hoshia uh, proclaiming they disgraced their own teachings. Right, it refers to corrupt Jewish leaders before the destruction of the Beit Hamikdash, who acted contrary to their teachings. And Midrash cites this uh, example of. You know, uh, a, a Jew who went to one of the judge to complain about a stolen uh, talit, uh -huh. and he he found it as you know a throw on the judge sofa. And then another one where he found his tea kettle missing, and then it was on the judge's stove when he went to go see the judge about it. What? And so it's just the idea of you know of this corrupt leadership. Okay, so first century. Yerushalayim with the Rome infiltration and corruption? Mm-hmm. The, the Sadducees at the head. Okay. Yeah. Wow. You know, that makes me think of why Yeshua said uh, that Sodom and Gomorrah would have made Teshuva even long before this. Yes. You know, because this is definitely Sodom and Gomorrah type activity here. <laughs> You know, it's bad. Everyone, once everyone starts seeing, like, they do what's right in their own eyes, that's when things get crazy. We need to understand, you know, hey, it's not, it's not about me. You know, it's, a, it's, about, it's about him. It's about Hashem. Amen. And if we have this, this mentality of, of selflessness, this mentality to give, then we, we will come out of that, that, that root the root mentality that's that's causing us to be destroyed through our sins. Mm. Verse 8 mentions this whole idea that he's going to put uh, thorns in their way. It's mentioned that Hashem is literally going to cause them to break their treaties and abandon B'nai Israel in the honor of their nation and in their hour of need. Talking about the nations. And you see this over and over throughout the, the, the half towards the prophets is that, you know, the nations always break their treaties or can't come through at the very last moment. Mm. Imagine that. Yep. It's like, who? at the end of the time, who do you really rely on? Who do you need to rely on? Who's always going to be there without fail, you know? 
And it just gives you an insight on, you know, because I mentioned these these false lovers and you said, you know, who is, who's going to be there without fail? You know, inside of, of what a good relationship needs. Yes, faithfulness. You know, sin- sincerity, faithfulness, the idea of, of, of giving and not, not trying to take from somebody. You know, what can I get out of it? That mentality needs to be ridded from our mindset. Can you heat out its own? I mean, that would that would make for such a beautiful relationship if both parties are in like that. You know. Yes, it'd be it'd be incredible. <laughs> so like every issue, right? And uh, <laughs> uh, verse nine mentions this this return back to a to a shim, mm-hmm. but it's it's this imperfect teshuva because it's not really for the sake of. Oh man, I'm not. It's not really thinking about a shim, not putting him first. It's saying, "Well, man, things are bad. I better go back to him," oh. which is teshuva. That's okay, but it's imperfect. Mm-hmm. And there's these different. There's different levels of shuva, and that levels. You know, it's it. You still, you still, you know, have this cleansing process from the teshuva, but it's not perfect. It's like it's like the idea of. Uh, someone in their, their old age and they don't have the energy to, to make all the sins of their youth anymore. And so then they turn. Wow. As, as someone in who's in their youth, who is, you know, full capability, ha- can travel uh, anywhere, do whatever he wants, you know, has all this energy um, to expend and, and wherever he's at and what her function wants to expend it, you know, uh, Wow, and and he turns over to Hashem and makes it about him. That's perfect. That'll be perfect or a higher teshuva. You know, I, for some reason, as you mentioned this, um, first of all, I'm like jumping out the window, but second of all, I'm thinking about a tree with ripe fruit, and it's like when you're young and you have all this vitality to serve Hashem, it's like you got mm-hmm. the ripe fruit, and then when you get old, it's like well. My shelf life is over now. Like you got like maybe a half a day to finish me off, and it's like, don't you want to eat me now? It's like, no, I, I, you're you're almost Aww. rotten, you know. <laughs> yeah, it was a beautiful analogy, man. Wow. Well, yeah, you know when the the fruit's good, use it for the right purpose. The ripe purpose, really? The oh uh, right, I mean, <laughs> that was just a stutter. <laughs> no, <it's fine. laughs> I'll be honest, I, I can't claim that pun. <laughs> you know, it's it's interesting now that you mentioned this whole idea of, of fruit because you know this whole, whole idea of Shava wealth. Oh, right? no, you didn't. No, you're not. Yeah. Oh, well, Shava, you know, we think of it as the giving of the Torah, and that's really what Hashem gives to us, right? Right. But there's another term that's known by, a little less common. That's called Chag Habikorim. Yep. <laughs> which is like the a giving of our first fruits. We take the best portion that we have mm. and we give it to Hashem. And so if we, we could see it as Matan Torah, and I'd say there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with even it's given the Torah. But I would challenge us to think of it as um, as Chag Habikarim. You know, not no not in the sense of, hey, I'm advocating that you say that instead of Matan Torah, Shavuot, right, anything like that. Right. But in, in, in 
your mentality. It's not necessarily what what Hashem can uh, give give to you, but what you could give to Hashem. Mm. You know, sound like John F. Kennedy or something right now. Was this not what your nation can do for you? What, what you can do, do for your nation? nation right? <laughs> cool. Yeah. But reverse that to something more important than your nation. Yeah, come on. Your God. Yes. Because if you didn't have Hashem, you wouldn't have your nation. Exactly. Yeah, it's, it's, it's incredible, you know, because we're talking about this whole idea of giving and giving back, right? And it really comes down to the difference between the Jewish view of marriage and the world, the secular view of marriage. Oh, come on now. So you have this whole idea of marriage. Marriage is like, okay, well... You pick up the kids, I'll take out the trash, you bring home, you know, money, I'll take care of this, and da-da-da. It's like this this contract. It's like this business contract between two parties, and it's founded on this idea of love. Well, what is, what is love? Uh, you could define it best by the colloquial use of it. You know, oh, well, I, I really love french fries, okay? <laughs> you don't love them, you just love what you can get from them what you the pleasure you take from it yes and that's really the mentality that destroys marriage it's this idea of love that's love true. destroys marriages that's true um there's there's really good shores over there by uh rabbi manis friedman who talks about this whole idea of love if you want something more in depth i was just um, about to tell you you sound a lot like rabbi friedman <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> brookstone <laughs> but there's, there's uh the opposite mentality is this idea of nesuin, which is the the, the Jewish yep. version of marriage? Come on, break it down. And this is this is actually from the root, uh, like no say, which is nun sin aleph, and it literally means to carry. Oh my goodness! And it's 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 this idea of no matter in your your hardest time, your easiest time, I'm going to carry you through the struggle. Oh. And the whole idea of that's based on the whole idea of love, which is not love, it's a hava, right? Which has a two letter root of hey, va, or hey, hey, ve. And that's this means to give, Ooh. to give of yourself. Ooh. Uh, and it's just this whole idea of like when, when you strengthen yourself enough to give to another person, to make it about them, to make it about providing for their needs, their desires. You know, reconciling them, um, then then you could be at the point where you're willing to pursuing, uh, like this whole marriage, no say to carry them. Wow! And so it's it's a whole different perspective. Love, it's to take for your own pleasure. You know, that's a marriage. As long as as long as you do your part, it's good. But as soon as you stop getting me pleasure in whatever form or fashion, I'm out. Whereas nasuing means, hey, look, even if you're having a bad year, a bad 10 years, I'm going to carry you through it. Wow. And so, uh, just no, no, uh, shout out a great, great, like 40 minute shore by Lev Kellerman. It's called Defining Love. It's where I'm really getting those two ideas from. Get you some. And so it's a beautiful idea about love and uh, our secular culture versus, you know, Ahava and and Nisuim in in the Jewish culture. And by the way, no say is the word that was used for what Mashiach did with the crucifixion stake. What? Yeah. Yep. 
Wow. <laughs> to carry it. Yeah. That's incredible. <laughs> I did not know that no say was the root of Nisween because literally just 24 hours ago, I podcasted about the wedding day that Shaba Oat is. Wow. And I got into Nisween and I'm like, I've never heard this word before. <laughs> Nisween. And I'm like, it's what? <laughs> This means the kosher version of Halloween. Not funny. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. Man. You know, that's, that's the real idea, you know, because we mentioned this idea of uh, insincere lovers, right? Pretenders who had sincere efforts, you know. It's like talking about Halloween's like trick or treat. Oh, like, give yeah. me what you have or I'll, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll mess you, you know, up. prank you. Yeah. I'll mess you up. You know, there's threatening going on where you have Nisween. <laughs> yeah right whereas complete complete opposite wow wow but you know said so that to bring us to this whole idea of uh further punishments it says i will terminate your all her joyous celebrations her yom tovs rosh chodesh and her shabos as well as her solemn festivals rosh hashanah yom kippur and shimei azeret and so this term uh moshva mo, oh sorry slicha uh Mosesa. Yeah, Mosesa. Um, joyous celebration. It actually also refers to this idea of weddings. No, what? And so, yes. <laughs> and so the wording here is her festivals, her Rosh Kodesh, and so on. So it's Hashem's displeased, not with the festival itself, but with how the Jewish people at this point in time were handling it. The wife. Yes. And so some of the people attributed the happiness of these days to their constellations, their idolatry. You know. What? And, yeah. So they do them, but they do them in, in a way that would, in some ways, mix in their pagan mentalities. I would hate to say that, man, that is totally not relevant to any faith system today. Yeah. It just, it's almost the reverse. Day. It's like, take the pagan festivals and you try to make it you know right when it's not also chasve shalom could you just imagine attributing arab shabbat shabbat uh third meal habdallah just attributing that to some some horoscope be like oh well i'm feeling like you know this today da, 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 da. and it's like hmm let me light this candle real quick that that's horrible it's like, you know, these are these are the most intimate moments between the Jewish people and Hashem. These, these Yom Tovs. You know, a lot of times they, they come to the temple, you know, on the pilgrimage festivals, and it'd be this huge feast. It's it's literally like this wedding celebration, you know? Wow. And so it's it's almost like, you know, taking continue the analogy of a the husband and wife, it's like being with this, your spouse and thinking of another person. Oh no, you did. And so this is this is the whole idea that's that's flowing through here, and that's why it's despised. Mm. You know, because that's that's almost more offensive than just going out, right? Going out and being a harlot. You you have this this whole idea of, of the harlot in general. You know, you think of it through through this context of married. And then went out to her her lovers, right, referring to the Jewish nation, 
But the whole idea of a harlot, you know, why are you out there is because you don't believe that your husband can provide for you. And so you're trying to, to seek it in all these other people who are, are not really your providers. And mm. so you have this root issue that we talked about last time, uh, last half Torah, about this whole idea of trust. Yep. You know, and so uh, just where we put our trust is, is where we're eventually going to go when we're in a tough situation. Oh. And so if we don't want to be led down the wrong path, we got to fix these root issues. Are you really uh, saying right now that we really know what we rely on when times get tough? Wow. What's that? You're you're saying that we the I mean truth realities reveal where ultimately is our trust, where is our our faith, where is our our hope, our rock, you know, where where's our go to when when time gets tough. Yeah. That's Dang. that's like the test of it and, and even mentions that in the oh. Midrash as well. It's just the whole time as the desert is like a testing ground to weed out true believers from Rashaim. Oh, and so, you know, it's just, it's very interesting. And just this whole idea of giving and taking um, <sighs> mentions here Deploying in verse 10, praiseworthy. <laughs> What's that? What'd I said, I'm getting prep data d to deploy extra oxygen for me. This is. I love that you wow. mentioned oxygen. That's exactly where I was going. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, I'm serious. Synchronized. Um, oh, it says, verse 10, Previously she was not aware that I am the one who supplied her with grain, wine, and oil, increased silver and gold for her, but they used it to adorn the god Baal. And so it mentions that um, Moshe, at the time of the golden calf, Moshe argued with Almighty, you cannot put the blame entirely on them. You, Hashem, tempted them by putting so much gold at their disposal after they left Egypt. And it's just this idea of, of when you have this abundance, you have this abundance, you could be led towards like temptation a lot easier. And you know, kind of think about this whole idea of when you have something, you know, it's, it's really meant to be given. Wow. You know, like that whole idea of that's, that's in our, the natural frame of our bodies. That's why I said, I love that you said oxygen because of what we do, just breathing. Yeah. Right, we take in breath. You know, it's breathe in, breathe out, not breathe out, breathe in. Right, you breathe out, you breathe in. Excuse me, breathe in to breathe out. Yes. Right, you take in oxygen and convert it to CO two, and what do you do? You help you know plants grow because they live on CO two. Mm. And then what do the plants do? The plants give off oxygen, mm. and then that turn gives to us. So it's it's this like dynamics of of being in a giving relationship. Come on. Uh, that causes things to flourish and things in life to grow. Uh, you could kind of use the example of, you know, extending a hand. If you extended out your hand to somebody, right, as, as like shaking a hand, and they did the same thing, grabbed on, then you have a, you can have a tight grip between the two of you. There's a, there's a strong bond. Wow. But imagine now uh, two people both trying to take the closed fist. How yep. can they connect with a closed fist? Mm. You know, if you have one person trying to take with a closed fist, the other person trying to grab, with an open hand, you know, trying to give and trying to take, right? 
that's not as strong as connection as two people willing to give to each other. Wow. And so if you're looking for a deeper bond uh, that's going to allow you to flourish and, you know, your relationship, whether it be with people or with a shim, then, you know, it's got to be that giving this, this idea of have, idea of ahava, I, I giveness, right? <laughs> Love it. Love it. I giveness. Come on. Hashtag. Funny thing uh, with the whole like closed fist, open hand analogy. You know, there's some time where people don't know if they're going to fist bump or shake hands. And it's like <laughs> that awkward moment. And then it's like, oh, race car. You know, like grab the fist. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Those are not met with the practical takeaways a little early. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm just racing ahead. <laughs> wow. <laughs> anyway, driver, let's go. <laughs> All right. So, you know, steering on back to our half tour. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, verse 15. I will I will punish her for the days she served the battle of gods to which she burned incense. She adorned herself with her nose rings and her jewelry and went after her lovers while she forgot me, says Hashem. You know, it's interesting because I didn't get to touch on this um, last time, but um, if you really look at the two images, we talked about those two trees, yeah. right? The RR. The, the Aurora, right? The Aurora tree. Uh, and it was like this whole idea of like, it, it looked lush. It was like this beautiful oasis in the middle oh, of this man. deserted desert. Right. And it was as if it was just screaming, look at me, look at me. Come on. But on the inside, it was empty. And this is what's going on. She adorned herself with jewelry and all this stuff. And, you know, it's not necessarily that, you know, that's a bad thing. But if, if your whole idea is to get attention from, you know, others, like in this case, you know, then it's it's this whole wow. look at me because I'm trying to be worthy. Mm-mm-mm. You know, I'm trying to find my worth and and what I have on, as opposed to just, you know, hey, trying to look good because you're a represent, representation of a shem. Come on, which is a huge mitzvah. But you take that tree, right, with the tree that's planted by the rivers and the stream. I don't know if you've ever seen a beautiful image like that up close, you know, being in nature and you see like this beautiful stream, you see that tree and usually there's mountains, there's grass, there's flowers, there's all beautiful wildlife, you know, and the tree doesn't really get noticed. Wow. Because it's around such a beautiful landscape. Now they might notice the tree, but it's also by this beautiful stream with beautiful fishes. There's maybe a deer, you know, maybe a buffalo, there's other trees, there's other flowers, you know, birds, there's so much going on. It's not like it's in the desert. Man. And so it's just this idea of this, this idea of like, I'm, hey, I'm just going to be, my worth is, is being, essentially, is being a simple Jew. I don't need to stand out and, and try to look better. That's not where my worth comes from. It doesn't come from doing all these things. It comes from me just being a simple Jew and serving Hashem. And you may blend in, you may not stand out as much as the Arar tree, but you're 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 filled with water. You're filled with Torah. You're filled with life. Oh my word! Because your your value isn't trying to get notice in the external sense. You're trying to just add beauty to the world as a whole. Oh, that was a beautiful statement right there. And, and I'll have Shem. you know, 
on my images right now, I have pulled up Tree Planted by the River. And hearing you drosh on this, you know, how you're talking about you're not trying to stand out, but you want to add beauty to the world. Oh, it's just so... Oh, it's moving, man. Like, wow. I'm not even, like, there, like, in the nature picture, but wow. Well... I'm, I'm, I love that you appreciate in this this beautiful picture that we're we're painting. It's about to take a turn for worse. Imagine a golden ring and the snout of a pig. Wow. <laughs> they had a point. They had a point. Um, it mentions right okay. here specifically her her nose ring, which is uh, Nizma. <laughs> right. Interestingly. We're talking about the tour. We're leading up to Shavuot, and here we have this, the half tour before Shavuot, and mentions that she's adorning herself with a nose ring. It's interesting because there is, like we mentioned before, a custom yeah. to read Pirkei Avot during the weeks preceding the receiving the Torah. Right. And chapter six wasn't going? originally part of of the the Mishnah, but it was later added on because it had a lot of amazing content about the Torah itself. And so in chapter six, you're going to find a lot of amazing insights about Torah, Torah study, how to acquire it. And in the second, second, uh, um, statement, if you will, of chapter six, you have this. Rabbi Yehoshua ben Levi said, each and every day, a heavenly voice goes forth from Mount Horev, proclaiming and saying, woe to the created beings because of their affront to the Torah. For whoever does not occupy himself with Torah is called censored, as it is stated, like a golden ring. The oh. same word we have here. Like a golden ring and a swine snout is a beautiful woman who lacks discretion. And what we're we talking about here, we're talking about this woman who's adorning herself. Right. Wait, she has no discretion. She has no, no thought to her husband. And it goes on saying, and it is further stated. The tablets were the work of God, and the writings of the writing of God, Harut, engraved on the tablets. Do not read Harut, but Herut, freedom. For there is no free man except one who occupies himself with the study of Torah. And anyone who occupies himself with the study of Torah becomes elevated, as is stated, from Matanah, the gift, to Nachalel, the heritage of God, and from Nachel to Batmos, high places. Wow. And that's in... Uh, Leonard and Bami Bar, but that's quoting from. But it's just it's interesting because here you have this whole idea of this harlot who's going out of her way and she's she's trying to find quote unquote freedom, and and she's acknowledging all these these other sources besides the true source, and that's pigging out. <laughs> she was pigging out. Yes. Wow. Well. Gluttony is a sin. Rebuke. But <laughs> we just this this concept of of freedom literally is the Torah. Hmm. And if if we really if we have this idea that it's burdensome, then perhaps we're not, you know, charut. Perhaps we're not engraved in it. Wow. And we kind of think of this this idea of the shovel as as a marriage ceremony, right? Right. And you you take the concept and what is the Torah? The Torah is the Ketubah. And it's interesting because you know, Shem has started this with Anoki. An acronym that say just says acronym, it's the word I, 
right? right? I am the Lord your God. It says, but it's Anoki in the Hebrew. It's an acronym for I, I simply wrote down my soul in writing and gave it to you. Mm-mm-mm. And so you think about this, it's like Hashem is giving himself in the Torah. Come on. And uh, there's, uh, you know, this whole Midrash about uh, 600,000 Jewish souls for each letter in the Torah. Right. And so it's the idea that, that this is our ketubah. Hashem has wrote himself in it. He says, hey, join me. Join me in this ketubah. Stamp your name in here. Wow. And we're, we're supposed to be engraved in the Torah. Why? Because we're writing our, 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 our names, our shim, our essence into the Torah itself so that we have this permanent, rebonded relationship with him. Wow. That was legit. If we, if we see the Torah through this lens, uh, through being engraved in it with him, then it's no longer this idea of bondage, this idea of, hey, I'm here to make, make my... my my, my father, you know, taken through this lens, my, my husband, whatever, happy and joyful. Wow. And this, this would be serving Hashem out of, um, out of uh, love. You have verse 16. It says, um, hold on there. Let me go to verse 17. Is that your timer? Yeah. My verse time. 17, as a result of her stay there, she will be aroused to return to me. I will then give her back her vineyards, which I had previously laid waste. The valleys of misfortune will become the gate of hope, since the Jews' suffering will prompt them to do teshuva. There in the newly regained vineyards, she will raise her voice in song, and the day, as in the days of her youth, before she was exiled, as the time of her going out of Egypt, when she sang Ashira at the Yom Suf. Wow. And so it's just interesting there because you have this whole, the gate of hope, and the word for hope there is tikva. And it's just, I just find this really interesting <laughs> because last time we talked about a mikvah and here we're talking about tikva. Right. I, I'm the hope of Israel. It says the word was mikvah there. Mm-hmm. And the only difference in the two words is the tet and the mim. And this is the, the I mean, sorry, the, the tav, the tav and the mim. And the only difference between them is, is that, and the, the tav is, Gamache is 400, the mim is 40. Yeah. And so it's like 10 times that amount. Oh. This whole hope, this whole this whole gate of hope. Mm. 10 times the amount. And it's just extremely interesting there. And then the 10 is the number of, of completion. Right. Right. It's also this, it's also according to uh, teachings of uh, the Rebbe the of this, that symbolizes the world and its finite aspects. Wow. And so it's just like the idea of like taking this hope out into the world. Um, it's interesting that it mentions that uh, this valley says, on the core, valley of misfortune, that's turning into a gate of hope. And on the core, it, it, it points back that through the Midrash, that this is mentioned in the book of Yehoshua, 726. This is where Achan stole from Jericho. And Jericho, all the loot was uh, sanctified to Hashem, and Achan, Achan stole from there. Not good. They, they ended up putting him to death, but before they gave him a chance to repent for his sins, and it should be noted that he actually stole before in Moses' Moses's time. And so this was not the first act that he committed. 
Um, but it says the word today implies because you confessed your sin uh, and took the death penalty upon yourself, you suffer only today. You will be saved from punishment in the future era when you'll be resurrected together with the Sadiqim and live in the future world. Wow. And so this is what's meant by the promise to value of trouble will turn to the gate of hope. Since Akan's past punishment atoned for his soul, he had hoped for future resurrection. And this also happened to Korak and his followers. So we, we mentioned Korak, the anniversary of his going into the pit. Um, but the suffering they underwent wiped out their sins, creating a gate of hope for the future. And so it's this idea that the, the suffering does is, is atonement. This whole day, this whole Torah portion is uh, half Torah is going into exile. Why to to bring atonement for our sins? This whole idea of suffering brings atonement is often stated, um, and just it's extremely interesting um, because the uh, it's mentioned and Derek Hashem that in this world we're punished for the minority of our deeds. Mm. Uh, we're punished or rewarded for the minority of our deeds. And in Lam Haba, we're rewarded or punished based on the majority of our deeds. And it's this idea, we have this question, why do you see all these wicked people, all this money and all this quote-unquote happiness and all these wonderful things? Well, maybe they did some good deeds and they're, they're being rewarded for the minority of their deeds, which they have minority good deeds, but most of their deeds are evil. So they're being rewarded in this world so they could be completely punished, all the rewards used up. Whereas Sadiqim and people who's just, they, most of their deeds are, are good, right? They're trying to live, they're striving for uh, living according to Hashem's Torah, that's truth. Come on. Um, they're punished with suffering throughout this world to cleanse them for, so that they could bask in Hashem's radiance. And so Shekinah and Allah Baba. So we can enjoy. Yes. Wow. It's interesting, too, because we can actually choose our form of suffering. We have that power of choice in many cases. Oh. And so, um, it's uh, mentioned this whole idea of, um, say, you wake up early. You wake up early to pray or study Torah or, or, or what have you do, perform a mitzvah. Or you, you go to extreme length to perform a mitzvah, whatever the case may be. Especially if you're 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 striving, you're you're taking a lot of your time, your free will time to study Torah. Especially, this accounts for uh, suffering. You can atone for your suffering this way, and you don't get it in in a harsher way. So, and you wow. get you get life. You get to be connected with the tree of life. So, what's what's not the love? That's a good, pretty good deal. Wow, amazing deal! Because I love Torah study. Oh my word. Man. Okay, so. clear, clear them out, bro. You got anything else you want to get out before we index our time? Uh, this whole idea in verse 18. Um, verse 18 says, It will come to pass on a day, says Hashem, you will call me by my name, Ishi, my husband, and you will no longer call me Bali. And so this is the idea that Ishi is used the term describing Shem as their husband, rather Bali. And so it just mentions that in, in the future, you know, Hashem had promised, right, right, that he, I will walk in your midst, Fayekwa 26.12. Yes. Correspondingly, the Snavi says the relationship to Ben Israel to Shem, the relationship will resemble that of a wife who is drawn after a husband, Ish, 
because she feels the bond of closeness between them and not because she's afraid, as in like a, someone who lords over. Wow. Man. Anything else? Uh, just that's mentioned with, with David as well. When he fled from Saul, he had his men come come to him uh, to, to join him in his ranks and it mentions that he did not necessarily lord over them. But he was uh, he was humbly um, walking with them and, and guiding them. Good night. And of course, it ends it ends with this famous thing that we say when wrapping filling. Come on. It says, "I'll betroth you to me forever. I'll betroth you to me righteousness, justice. Nevertheless, you will not merit much goodness, which will be due to my kindness and mercy. I'll betroth you in the merit of the belief of my in my promises, which you maintain while you're in exile." As a ward, you will then know shame with great clarity. Oh. And, oh. Wow, that was epic. Seriously? This is, yes. What you got? Well, because I'm just thinking of an exile, how this is our opportunity. Mm-hmm. You know, like, wow. Like, blessed are those who believe, yet they do not see. You know, like uh, Yeshua's conversation with Thomas. You know, where yes. he's like, you believe that I'm resurrected. You believe I'm here because you can put your hand in my side. You can see the holes. But, you know, it's even it's going to be even greater for those who are going to have the same belief that you now have, even though they didn't get to, like, put their hand in my side or see the holes. An amazing, amazing correlation. You know, it's just the whole idea of, of, of Muna, right? And this is this, this whole concept where... Mm-hmm. Like we we're we're constantly dealing with this. It says we we pray he revives the dead, even though we haven't seen it. Right. He redeems. We pray he re, he who redeems Israel, even though we haven't been redeemed. Come on. And so, but still, we pray for this. Right. You know, when in perfect faith. It's like the whole Amida, pretty much. Yeah. This you know, it's all believing without seeing, mm. <laughs> and so. This whole this whole idea of we're in exile, yes, it's tough, but in proportion to the difficulty of the struggle, the reward is immense. Wow. And so, you know, it's like the stocks are high. The stocks are soaring. And so the shares are, you know, are of this huge value. You know, buy buy into the kingdom when when it's tough. Yes. Because you're gonna reap the full benefits of that. Now this says in Devarim six five, you're gonna love Hashem with all your heart and all your soul and all your possessions. Come on. You know, this strange God we have have to get away with is our Yitzhahara according to Chazal. And so we, we feel comfortable <laughs> dedicating Yeah. And we, we feel comforting dedicating Hashem a part or a good part of our time, our money, our minds and our energy. But what about all the rest? Oh my goodness. You know, we use the excuse, we're only human, this, that, you know, this is who I am. Uh, and it's just, you know, this idea, we, we, we need to serve him with everything we have. That's, that's, that's the mitzvah. Wow. Well, if I could fly fast enough to catch you, I would arrest you for that. <laughs> so... <laughs> Baruch Hashem, Todarabah, Mr. Violent Man, uh, child of Hashem, you are over here. All right, so 
That is our time for the insights for Haftara Bami Bar. Or should I say Boom Meat Bar. And uh, we are now going into practical takeaways. So last Haftara, I got to go first. This Haftara. Go first again. Go first then. I need to get my thoughts together for this one. Okay. All right. (laughs) Sorry. Maybe maybe next time I'll go first. That's cool. Well, you can can stay in time out and think about your actions, okay? (laughs) All right. right. (laughs) So first of all, um, I'm still kind of on this ending about while we're in exile and literally just looking at the fact of Hashem saying that the reward is the merit of our faith and his promises while we're in the exile. Like, come on. Like if you ever thought that Jews worked for their salvation or yeah, we're going to heaven and we're going to go in the clouds of glory with Hashem because, you know, we put all our hope in the, the faith of the the Messiah and the stake, and you know we didn't do we didn't ever do anything, and we never wanted to hit his Torah, and it's just like, but we're going to heaven though. And it's just like, okay, so that all just got absolutely destroyed. It's just kind of like, okay, so how are you comporting yourself about your life and your existence right now? Are you trusting Hashem? Are you entering into his Torah? Are you truly enthusiastic about, you know, being with him? Are you walking in righteousness? Are you walking into Shuva? Like, so on and so forth. Like, the Shema. Like, what does it mean to you? You know, how 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 is the Shema? And how is your Shema? And how do you interpret it? Kind of thing. So, that's kind of where I'm at right now. But. I have what I like to call Shomer Blue open, which is the Mishle uh, with commentary. And it's from Art Scroll, and it's a ridiculous source. If you ever get the opportunity to get this source, please do. I'm guessing, uh, Hasis, you and the Prophetess have this in the armory. But uh, anyway, I have it open to Mishle chapter 11, uh, 22, and 23. Uh, really 20 and t- 223, but, or 24, like, and this just whole, this whole section is just ridiculous. So with the help of Hashem, the things that really just punched me right in the face and still hurt with a mask on, I'm going to just kind of do them real quick. Cause this is kind of my practical takeaway because while I was enjoying myself being a tree planted by the waters, things escalated quickly and took a turn for the worse with this whole pig with a nose ring. It was just kind of like, like somebody hit the record or something. But it needed to happen because, I mean, this is this is it, you know? Uh, so anyway, so first thing I saw about the the pig with the nose ring is that it's in uh, Mishle 20, 21, it's, or 22, like a golden ring in the snout of a pig, so is a beautiful woman whose good sense has departed. And I love the fact of understanding truly what the bride of Messiah, aka the bride of Christ, as it has commonly been taught. But it's the the Kala of Hashem, which is Kol Yisrael. Okay, but uh, we are that woman, you know. And so, if we are disconnected from Hashem, walking in our own ways, 
running after other gods, beautifying ourselves with emptiness, then uh, this passage applies to us. And so what does this really mean? So the commentary says, first of all, beautiful though a golden ring is, a pig that grovels in filth besmirches its beauty. The same is true of a woman who uses her beauty to entice men to sin from the Radak. This verse metaphorically speaks of someone who uses his wisdom to deceive people for other sins instead of applying it to Torah study. That's from the Mizudo. And then it says, Rashi says, a Torah scholar who forsakes the way of Torah. That's what this is like. Then it goes on to say, a swine's ugliness and stench cannot be camouflaged, you know, so you can spray as much uh, perfume as you want, but it's still going to stink. And then it goes on to say, nothing can disguise spiritual ugliness of a wasted soul. This, uh, then it goes on to say over here, the hope of the wicked is wrath. And it did this whole thing about the wicked yearn for their desires to be granted. But since they do evil, they will be rewarded in kind of all desires. The righteous choose only to do good and forsake all other desires. So we're doing good, right? And the wicked, they have all these desires and we're like forsaking our desires for the good that we want to do, even though those that good ultimately has the ultimate desire that we will get to experience with the help of Hashem in the time to come. But it says that the wicked always desire more and more and more. They, they pursue wealth and they're never satisfied. And the sages teach Kohelet Rabbah 134 says a person does not leave the world with even half of his desires in hand. So I'm closing this book right now. That's wow. my takeaway because if we ever needed a reality check as we're getting ready to go into our wedding day, that is it. You know, what are we doing with our existence? Don't just see, oh, I got to get up and pray. Oh, I got to go Torah study. Did I listen to the Aliyah day today? Did I even think about, you know, listening to a shore or did I even open any of my Torah books? Am I even doing acts of kindness? You know, like don't, don't think of that as something oppressive and something that's taking away your time. I mean, Good night, because if we do, we put ourselves in a very teeter-tottery position. You know, let's mold our life around the word of God. Don't mold the word of God around our life. That sounds very harsh, uh, but, um, but I mean, it's true. Either Hashem is in charge and not lording himself over us, or we're in charge and we're trying to make Hashem fit wherever he needs to fit. And that's something that we really have to work out because, I mean, you just heard the insights. We become like a woman who's who's a pig with a nose ring. Let's not, let's not be that and, and let's think happy thoughts. Okay, that's all I got. I love it, man. And it's just tag on this whole idea. You know, it's even more relevant in our day because, you know, the swine 
is a representation of Aesop and Edom and Rome, and this is the exile we're in. And so this whole idea of, like, we need to disconnect from that. We need to disconnect from any uh, any Christian mentality that we have. Yep. And and connect to the true source of of wisdom, Amen. which is Hashem Hashem's Torah, the writing of the sages. There's another verse in Mishnah that says, uh, "This is a like a uh, this is a quote money, but it's like do not listen to your father and do not forsake the teachings of your mother." Right. And the comment commentary in there, according to some of the rabbis, is that the teaching of your father, this is the written Torah, the the, the teachings of your mother. This is the oral Torah. Oh, what? Yes. So, oh my goodness. You know, it, it's just, it's interesting hmm. because, you know, I've, I've said this before, but it's just like we can apply uh, all, the, all the things of logic when it comes to like every other book and every other skill and, and, and whatever we're researching, whatever we're studying, whatever secular wisdom is out there, you know, we think of it through a logical pattern. But when, when it comes to scripture, the Bible, what do you want to call it? Uh, Tanakh, you know, we don't really think of it logically. We want to, we want to take away the culture. We don't want to take the language. We want to take away uh, the history that's there. We don't really want to use, you know, even if you you're, you're skeptical about all all this oratora, all the rabbis, Talmud, all this stuff, got to think about it. These these are books that have been written within the century, like closer time periods than we we have ever been, mm. within the time period of of Mashiach. Wow, you know, yeah, and and onward. There's there's no other culture who's who's has made it essentially a requirement to study the history. To, to know their history, uh, to repeat it to their children, like that's the commandment. <laughs> you know, wow. teach this to your children. Yep. Talk about it all the time. Like, do not forget it. If there's one people who have not forgotten forgotten anything, it's the Jewish people. Cool. And if there's one people who's going to be held to a, a high the highest degree of integrity and honesty, it's the Jewish people. Mm. Um, you know. And so I don't say that to deride anybody or to sound like, oh, Jews are superior. No, it's just it's just the logical facts. Yeah. You know? The only only group of people who have not strayed and, and you know, because the Torah is our land. And as long as we're attached to the Torah, then we're a surviving nation who's able to give light to the nations. Wow. But just interesting, um that was Side note, um, uh, <laughs> but we have this concept in this half tour about uh, this woman who's traveling through the wilderness, you know, and it's interesting, and and she's this whole idea of harlot connotated with her idea, yeah. Um, but putting the harlot aside for a little bit, the person who's traveling through the wilderness and is doesn't really have a mitzvah yet. Uh, who do you, who do you think of in character who's like constantly traveling across across the wilderness? One of the old oldest forefathers. Abraham, Abraham lit the menorah because <laughs> he it. was a menorah. 
That sounds like a topic for another half tour. No? <laughs> I know, right? You're a no. little ahead of the game there. <laughs> well, uh, no. Is that but, right, uh, though? Is it Abraham? Yes. That's okay. exactly where I was going. And okay. So, But it mentions a woman. So who is the woman who was with him traveling that? Sarah. Imani. Sarah. Sarah. Yes. Our, our matriarch, our, our mother. And so... Luther's idea, um, and then she would also have been accused of being uh, a harlot because, you know, she wasn't. She was in there with, uh, like, the pharaoh captured her, you know. There's all sorts of schemes that that captured her and had released her, so she was accused of harlotry. That's why they thought Yisyak was legitimate birth. Wow. Um, But Hashem proved them wrong. That's a story for another day. Mm. But you just look at her name. We talk about this also. So this, she connects with this whole idea of wandering in the wilderness. And it goes back to your youth. <laughs> right? And so what is the ultimate, who is the ultimate Ima of the Jewish nation? It's it's, it's Sarah. Who was made young and, again. Yes. <laughs> it was renewed. Who was renewed again. That's also in this half Torah. And it's interesting because her name used to be Sarai with a Yud. Wow, and it's just very interesting because we've been talking about this idea of, of giving of yourself. Yep. And generally, in uh, Hebrew grammar, if you put a yud at the end of something, it's usually possessive. Oh. You know, it's like it's like mine. But what happened when she relinquished that yud, mm. and she got another letter replaced, a hey. Right, mm. but that hey didn't just according to the midrash, and not the midrash that it went. But the midrash that it went to Avraham and her. So Yud is ten. Yep. One and it got replaced with Hey, which is half of Yud. It's five. Mm-hmm. of five. Mm-hmm. And other Hey went to Avraham. Wow. So you have this this Yud. You have this Hey that she has, and Vav, the man. The Hey went to Avraham, the man. Wow. So you had Yud Ke Vav Ke. Oh. You have literally the name of a Shem. Okay, that escalated so, quickly. <laughs> how and and how did that happen? How was she able to initiate this reaction mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. of reflecting Hashem's name into this world that allowed for so much blessings to come? And it was simply of 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 getting out of the sef- selfish. It's all about me mentality. Mm-hmm. The possessive you to the end is like. Relinquish that. Relinquish. It's it's not it's not about me. It's about him. And through that, through that, Hashem's name would be able to uh, become manifest uh, in this world. And that's that's really telling because we also mentioned last half Torah. Uh, we quoted this idea of um, and last uh, Torah portion. It mentions the names in a different order, and the last one to be mentioned was Abraham. Yep. And it says he's the one who was known for, for chesed, and, and that's what's going to bring the redemption. Cool. It's just this idea of giving up this kindness, giving us chesed. And this is really uh, very comparative to the time we're in now. Yeah. You know, there's there's all this, like, spiritual darkness. You know, maybe it's not necessarily idolatry, but it's it's mixed. Yep. It's Abedah Zarah. It you is. Know, it's foreign worship because it's, it's, it's taking all this, this worship uh, from Judaism Every religion takes its worship from Judaism and distorts it yep. in, its, in its own twisted way. And we've got to learn to be like Abraham and Sarah. Amen. This, this woman in the wilderness who, who is literally 
uh, said, hey, it's not about me. It's not about what I want to attach myself to. Hey, it sounds real great uh, doing eating this or going wherever I want to eat or uh, going to watch this TV show, even though it's no full, it's full of all this filth or, you know, wow. um, going to celebrate this holiday, you know, even though I know it's not according to Torah, you know, yeah, that I'm sure that was really appealing to them. They were the only two people mm. who were preaching this monotheist idea. Yep. And so we have to be like them. Say, it's not about me. Give away that possessive spirit. This, this the whole idea of it's about me. It's about what my gratification, my pleasure. Say, it's about I giveness. It's about me giving back to my creator. Mm. And and through that, through that, Hashem's name is going to become manifest. We, we stick to what his Torah says to do. We, we observe it to the best of our abilities and constantly, constantly learn. And so that's what we have to do. We have to embody this whole idea of resistance from assimilation from nations. And also at the same time, this idea of, of chesed and giving, willing to be able to give out that light. But first we got to make ourselves vessels to receive that light. And we do that by separating ourselves from this world, separating ourselves from all the mentalities and all the things that are anti-Torah. Wow. Well, with that being said, I just want to let you know, first of all, I cannot wait to replay this podcast back. And uh, number two, you have coined a new term that I'm totally using for the description called I-giveness. Well, it should be noticed that that's uh, I actually got that from Rabbi Kellman. You got that so, from him? I did. I did. He is, like I said, there's a beautiful short. It's called Defining Love. Okay, and we'll give him credit the first really time. Really interesting. And then give we'll... him credit because, you know, <laughs> of course, I vote you bring bring life. You bring life to those who, uh, who uh, you quote something in their name, right? So, like, Hasispa said in the name of Rabbi Kellman, who said in the name of our forefathers, I giveness. Yes, <laughs> that's actually. I believe it's this. This last uh, mentioned, last thing mentioned uh-huh. for acquiring Torah. Wow. It's to say things in the name of someone who's quoted them, and oh. so it says. Yeah, after the forty-eight, forty-eight qualities of the Torah courses, um, the forty-eighth one quoting concept, the name of its author. Indeed, we have learned whoever quotes a concept, the name of its author brings redemption to the world, as is stated. And Esther told the king in the name of Mordecai. Wow. Okay, so Rabbi Kelman got it from the patriarch or the Kazal? Uh, I'm not sure. He was just according to this, this whole idea of Hav, of giving. Cool. Well, some kind of way I'm going to link it up with the help of Hashem. And we're going to source that out. And I love I giveness. I appreciate you so much for sharing this amazingness so we're going to put you in time out until um otherwise and uh yeah baruch hashem what do we know what do we know but baruch hashem or baruch abab hashem adonai may may he come soon and may we enter into the final redemption amen amen all right our closing bracha Baruch Ata Adonai Eloheinu Melakaolam Zur Kol Haolamim Zadik Beko Hadorot 
ha'el ha'ne'eman ha'omer ve'ose ha'mdaber um kayem shekol debarav emet vazerek. Ne'eman atahu Aronai Eloheinu ve'ne'emanim devarecha ve'davar echad midvarecha achor lo yashuv recham ki el melek ne'eman ve'rakaman ata Baruch ata Aronai Ha'el ha'ne'eman be'kol devarav b'skut Mashiach Yeshua. Amen. Well, I want to thank everyone for joining us. We want to send you a Shavuot Tov and a Hag Sameach for Shavuot. Bezrat Hashem. We should all have a blessed renewal of the receiving of the Ruach HaKodesh, the Torah, Mashiach, power from on high, and carry us on into the rest of the year and anticipating the final redemption may it happen speedily and soon in our days. So thank you for joining us. Blessings to you, Habibi Hasis Baz, and Shalom. Shalom.